0: the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Hi, neighbors. First, I want to remind you that the Paracast is brought to you this week by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 85,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com Paracast. So, Chris O'Brien, we haven't talked a lot about this lately, this project, this ongoing project you've done, setting up these webcams, what's the status of that? Give us the background, please.
2: Well, we're, we're streaming with uh, our base station camera. We're waiting to get the all-sky cam sent out from California to uh, the San Luis Valley. The all-sky cam is a horizon-to-horizon 180-degree horizon, uh, camera that basically um, is set up almost like a fisheye lens to get the entire sky in one, one frame.
1: So it's like almost a panoramic view?
2: Exactly. Oh, wow. And it it covers the whole sky like a big punch bowl. And our software designer, uh, Andrew, who was uh, on the show with us uh, briefly with Robert Hastings, he's uh, recently retired from Cisco, and he's going to be establishing coordinate data on this all-sky cam. It will detect upon uh, motion, and then that will turn on the record function for The first, This first camera, which will be the first of seven. Of course, these things cost money, and it takes time to uh, obviously program the code and and do the kind of work that needs to be done. Andrew has a bunch of stuff he is finishing up in his personal life, which will then free him up to devote more time to the Skycam project. But we've had a couple of interesting little things that have been seen, you know, real time. Um, I tried to capture one. There is a function in the administrative program where you can hit a capture button and take a, a JPEG still of uh, whatever it is. Uh, We don't have record-on-motion capability yet, and when we did our two-week beta test last year, it it took a couple months to go through all the data because it was just recording full-time. It takes a lot of time to wade through that much uh, data. Well, I guess also you have to have a pretty large hard drive to store everything. Yeah, it was about 68, 70 gig, I think, is what it ended up, I think, the the amount of... uh, storage space that we needed for that 2 week beta period but So basically you need 2 iPhones
1: at 32 yeah. gigabytes a piece to carry everything but if it's based on motion it's going to sense something moving and then turn the cameras on
2: Well it, the cameras will be on it'll it'll then trigger a record function Ah okay okay which will then record record the streaming data of whatever event that it is and once we we get multiple cameras up with the software you know the coordinated software then we will be recording multiple camera views of of a single event.
1: Now, photo experts are going to say what kind of resolution do you get for these images?
2: Well, obviously, it depends on the distance away from the camera. But if you have multiple cameras, chances are one's going to be close enough to really glean some data. Just being able to triangulate multiple camera views on a particular single event, that's that's going to be uh, the payoff right there our resolution is is fairly high we're not at high def we don't have the bandwidth unfortunately to to have a high def image but we're we're at 680 i think at uh, by 420
1: okay so basically you're you're getting a standard what they call vga image those specs are slightly yep. off but it would be a what mm-hmm. they call a vga image kind of like the older style webcams and that's decent i mean if something is really several miles away in the distance and not very large you're not going
2: to see what it is. But if Bigfoot well, is waving have, at
1: you, you're going to know about
2: it. We have 36 times optical zoom, too. So <laughs> so that's going to bring it up close and personal if it's within, you know, 30, 40 miles. Do you have some kind of real-time control over that? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm able to pan, tilt, zoom, you know, rotate. So, these, so if these you get are phone operable. calls,
1: hey, Chris, we've got some UFOs there. Or we just saw Bigfoot. And he's <laughs> in the northwest
2: quadrant or something. You could do some yeah. adjustments. Yeah, we could manually uh, zero in on something like that. What we want to do right now is bundle this particular live feed and present it, you know, on the Paracast uh, as a as a feature, so that you can tune in any time and see what's going on in the San Luis Valley. But right now, the only way that you can view it is by having the keys uh, for the administrative panel, and that would allow you to operate the camera, and we don't want a bunch of people being able to operate the camera at this point. So we we just want to bundle the actual signal and then have it as a view only. Um, I think in all fairness, too, what we should do is get some kind of corporate sponsorship for that. I think that yeah. would be
1: very, very fair. Maybe we could work out something. If you run a business, even a small business, and you have some kind of national or worldwide goals, you know, you can write us news at com and if you want to sponsor this webcam feed. You know, let us know. This is not just a commercial thing. It costs money to buy these cameras. It costs yeah. money for the bandwidth. You can't do this stuff free. And without corporate sponsorships, you know, it's not as if you're going to get money from Uncle Sam or something because the uncle is <laughs> rather low in terms of having a reasonable bank account. They spend so much money on those
2: $400 toilet seats that they really can't handle anything more. <laughs> yeah, we'll slap a little logo down there in the lower... You know, right-hand side of the image, and maybe every hour we'll give you a little 30-second commercial.
1: (laughs) Or it's just something, you know, streaming, but not in Flash. We don't use Flash, you know. No, 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 no. No Flash. Flash is verboten because it doesn't work on 250 million iPhones and iPads and iOS devices, so it doesn't happen. We're getting awfully technical, but the key is here, if we're going to find out what's happening out there, and you have all these events, if you can't cover an area with frequent activity with a full-time camera and some way of storing the information, it's not going to help. You can't assume that you send a crew out there and the crew will always find something or ever find anything. Well, there's no substitute for hard data. Well, this is a commendable thing. We'll have more information on this in the near future. But today on the Paracast, we're going to explore something we've laughed about, okay? I mean... For nearly six years on the PowerCast, we have laughed at people who believe in what is called exopolitics, whatever that is. Okay? There's a movement called exopolitics, and it goes beyond disclosure. Because here we're dealing, I guess, with establishing or furthering diplomatic relations with ET. So we've talked about it occasionally, and now you've located a vocal advocate. Chris for Exopolitics. Tell us more.
2: I became aware of Ed uh, Komarek's work uh, a number of years ago. He's been one of these kind of behind the scenes guys. Uh, pretty bright. I think um, he's um, very well intentioned, has been able to make a lot of connections uh, within the kind of the shadow world of intelligence uh, operatives, people that are in the know, let's say, you know, people that have friends that are. Uh, within the government and the military, and he's done a pretty good job of researching and presenting. Uh, I think a more of a down to earth view of what the exopolitical uh, scenario and situation is all about. Unlike some of the other more vocal, um, higher profile, uh, over the top true believers, I, I think Ed tempers his his enthusiasm with with a lot of good research and. He's somebody I've wanted to get on the show for quite a while, and, and we're we're very fortunate to have him uh, be on the paracast here today. Okay, that's Ed Komarek,
1: and he's going to talk about exopolitics, and we are not going to hold back on the questions. Okay? Oh no, 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 none of that stuff here. You know, we're going to be fair with him. We're going to be balanced with him. We're going to cover what he thinks is the evidence about this exopolitics stuff, whether. He can really prove it or whether it's a movement that, of course, is just smoke and mirrors. I don't know. I have to tell you I'm a skeptical. I want to put my cards on the table right now that it's going to have to be a hard sell for me. But then if he is willing to answer any question we pose to him, if he is willing to show us his stuff, whether or not he has evidence to confirm this Exopolitics and what it means. We're happy to present it. He's been amazingly prolific, by the way. You look at Ed Komarek online, you'll find an incredible amount of stuff. He's not shy about what he believes, which is fine with us, but if he doesn't answer the questions, we're not going to take him seriously. We're going to find out. You're listening to Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs>
4: Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted down reactors in Fukushima, Japan and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S. unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Solar
5: power, solar power.
4: hand-crank
6: power. Hand power. Radio power, radio power.
5: The goods you want, the good deals you need to power up your survival are at 21stCenturyGoods.com. In our solar department, you'll find solar generator kits, solar lanterns, flashlights, radios, and solar cell phone and laptop chargers. 21stCenturyGoods.com is your hand-crank headquarters for everything from generators to flashlights, to emergency, weather, and shortwave radios by Grundig and K. Big brand names and big deals. Like this. Get a free solar flashlight with every order over $75. But hurry, offer ends soon. Go to 21stCenturyGoods.com. Spelled the number 2, the number 1, ST, CenturyGoods.com. That's 21stCenturyGoods.com. Or call 866 999 8422. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes.
1: We are now going to explore the world of exopolitics with Ed Komrek, who's been studying UFOs for what, Ed, 40 years?
7: Uh, about that, maybe a little over that now.
1: All right, so what attracted you to the subject? Before we even get into the stuff about the exopolitics, what attracted you to
3: this?
7: Uh, you mean the field, uh, the UFO field in general? Yes. Okay. It really started back when uh, I left for Alaska. I went to one-year college down here at a local college, and I went to University of Alaska, Fairbanks, Alaska, where I went for two years of college. And I went up there when I was about uh, 17 and went to college, and I used to hang out. I think it was the middle of winter. You know, it was probably about 60 below zero, and us college kids would hang out playing pool and drinking beer down on the bars in Fairbanks, uh, down down downtown Fairbanks. One, I guess, one uh, day I just wandered out, you know, took a little walk, and to get some fresh air, and I came to this little new age bookstore, and I said, "Huh, you know, this is interesting." And I opened up the door, and there was, you know, the scent of incense and. Uh, It was warm, and there were little, you know, chimes, and open up the door, and there were all these books on reincarnation, UFOs, paranormal, and I just felt right at home. Then later... I think they brought a reincarnational specialist up to Fairbanks to lecture. And she did a lecture and did a little uh, mini reading on me. And some of those things started coming true. And so I got interested in that. So I really got into the really big picture to begin with. But then I got into UFOs because you could kick the tires. There was something solid. Yeah, Let's back
1: up a little bit. This psychic or whatever was saying things about you that were true?
7: Well, they turned out to be true. Well, Uh, how about a couple of
1: examples just to see what they said, and what the reality was.
7: Okay, she said that I would I would be a, like a statesman, but not in the normal sense of the word, like a, like a politician, but not in the normal sense of the word, more like a statesman, and that I would be in the newspapers and in the media. When all that started happening and becoming true, I got more interested, so I sent off for a, you know, thir- I'm pretty cheap, so I sent off for $30 for an extensive reading uh, with three questions and the details on past lives and whatever and she did all that and then she she was so good that she actually named the names of people like susan carol key people that were going to be in my life and darned if it didn't happen it didn't happen just about every one of them happened you know over the time of my life you know now looking back i'm 63 years old my birthday was just the other day and that was you know i don't know that was well over what 40 years ago You know, at the time I was saying, well, maybe this is true, maybe it's not, you know, but then some of these things started coming true, so I got interested in that. And I got interested in the paranormal. I got interested in telepathy. You know, I, I did a lot of reading. One of the things I learned from my father was in any field that you go into, the first thing to do is go in and study the literature. And then, you know, start testing out the literature for what's real and what's not real. But you got to, you know, get a grasp of the overall literature. It's no important in reinventing the wheel. And so that's what I started doing. And so I did a lot of reading back in 1970s. I had a little cabin. I learned from Alaska that I could live very, you know, very frugally in a small cabin with uh, very low overhead and my life would be my own and it's, and it's been that way through my whole life so I've been able to dedicate my life to what I wanted to do not you know having most of my time tied up you know earning a wage or you know working for somebody else or whatever so I have a, had a lot of time to investigate then, Okay do I take
1: it then you don't have a day job
7: No I don't have a, uh, I retired in my early 20s I uh, worked up on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. I worked for Fish and Game up there during the summers when I was in Alaska. I'd come down for the the winters, put the money into real estate, and I would tend to buy a little bit of land, fix it up, build me a cabin or a house on it, and then sell it, and then I did that several times in my life. And so with an overhead probably that runs on the average of $500 a month, you know, I was, I've been able to do that. It doesn't take a lot of work to maintain that kind of a lifestyle, and especially no, no. When, I, you know, when you do everything for yourself pretty much.
2: Ed, First, you should mention about your dad uh, being a a, um, a forestry expert and a scientist in his own right. So you, yeah, you were was, he, raised yeah, and born, uh, born and raised and steeped in the scientific method.
7: Oh, yes, because I, I was actually mentored by Herb Stoddard. He was a good friend of Otto Leopold, one of the fathers of ecology. So Al Leopold is the father of a college that most people know about because they've read Sandhill Almanac because he was more available to the public. But Herb Stoddard did the real scientific research on the Bob White quail that brought caused, brought him into being a father of ecology. And then there was another person, Dr. Ali, in, a, in the University of Chicago. Before Dad had to quit because of the depression, he was mentored also by Dr. Ali. So... I was surrounded by some of the top scientists in the in the fields of uh, natural history. A lot of people may not realize this, but the ecology actually evolved from the collectors because the collectors were out in the field collecting animals and studying them and watching their habits and how they interacted with each other and all this sort of thing is whereas the taxonomists you know they were back in the basement you know full of chemicals and they were sorting species out from subspecies and all this kind of thing but the collectors realized that there there was these animals are in relationship these animals and plants were in relationships and dad used to say used to argue with the taxonomists early on and they say you know there's no such thing as a relationship show me a relationship show me a relationship you know pick it up where i can pick it up touch it feel it see it you know there's no such thing as relationship and dad never could convince those old taxonomists that there was a basis to ecology and that, and that relationships were real and interactions between species, you know, were real even though you couldn't, they weren't physically substantial. And so in a way, maybe that helped me, you know, in the paranormal field. And I've noticed there's been parallels that have been very interesting because he got into fire ecology. He, he was probably the first real fire ecologist. He fought fire exclusion pro- policies of the Forest Service for his whole life. A lot of- what,
1: explain what that is, those of us who don't examine forestry.
7: Okay, okay. what happens in, in nature is, is that fire is a natural part of the environment. You know, like for you guys out west, you've got ponderosa pine, and that ponderosa pine has really flammable needles, and over time the needles build up, but the bark is very tough, so it can take a pretty good fire. But what happens is, is that natural fire started by lightning or by Indians or by man, would burn the forest clean every year or two or three years and the forest would be healthy and the trees wouldn't get killed it knock the brush back and the, or the grasses and legumes would be there for wildlife and everything but when they started fire exclusion policies they'd keep fire out the, the needle litter and the dead branches and dead trees starts building up on the forest floor until you create a catastrophic situation
1: so basically if you mess with mother nature you get yourself yep. in trouble. That's the basic well, and, premise. Well,
7: you, you mess with Mother Nature and you don't know what you're doing. What happened was, was a lot, of, a lot of these early foresters came out of the big cities like Chicago. When you remember the Chicago fires, they saw it fired, you know, strom to homes and people. And out west, there were some big fires back before in the early turn of the century. And these fires burned up whole towns out there, prairie fires and whatever.
1: I'll tell you what, we're not going to get into a whole discussion about the environment and ecology, except insofar as it might relate to E.T. and other subjects. We're talking exopolitics, which is what we're going to start to pick up on in the next segment. You're listening to Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast,
8: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a
1: decade. We are. The GCN Radio Network. This time of year, between the holidays, bad weather, and sick days, getting everyone in the same room for a meeting can be impossible. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting by Citrix. I love the special GoToMeeting app. I want you to try it free today. Go to the App Store or Android Market to download the free app and start joining GoToMeeting sessions from anywhere and host your own meetings with a free 30-day trial. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click Try It Free, and use the promo code PODCAST for GoToMeeting.
9: Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, military.com. We have everything for true total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military Manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge Molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207 989 6783. 207 989 6783. Or visit mainmilitary.com. That's M A I N E military.com. The main name in military supply.
10: After work, I just want to plop down on the couch and watch TV alone. Come on. Don't be like that. Who are you? I'm you. 20 years ago, when you were full of energy, better shape, great attitude, and you didn't do so bad with the ladies. Now that you're older, your testosterone levels are dropping, and, well, you're not the guy you used to be. I'd give anything to feel like you again. Just try Ageless Male. It's a natural supplement, proven in a clinical trial to boost testosterone 61 one percent And within normal, healthy ranges, it's not an injection, not a prescription, and with healthy testosterone levels, you can feel the energy again, not to mention a better mood and more drive in your romantic life. More drive, huh? I really need to try Ageless Mail. Where's my phone? You're laying on it. Oops.
9: Call now for a risk-free trial of
11: Ageless Mail. Just call 1-800-497-8345. 1-800-497-8345. one 800 497
9: Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a 2-week free trial and a
12: lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. <laughs> Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com.
8: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast.
1: Ed Komrek has been studying the paranormal for over 40 years. He's written lots of information about exopolitics, and now let's take it full circle. We're talking about the environment, about the concerns about possibly tampering with Mother Nature, but now let's bring it back to the UFO world. Okay, you got interested in the paranormal. What about UFOs? Did you ever see one?
7: Okay, to bring this back, before we get to that, the fire suppression was involved. People, some people that were high up in the Forest Service and whatever, had an a emotionally negative impression about fire because of what had happened. You know, to, to the whole cities being burned up so they tried to apply that to nature but they felt if it's bad for man then it's got to be bad for nature and they didn't know what they're doing and they created these huge fire accumulations that even today blow up and burn huge sections of the western united states and in that fire suppression are of special interest so even if you start getting people trained to use fire properly and remove the fire ex- exclusion policy, you get these special interests involved. And this is exactly the same thing that happens in the UFO field and the field of exopolitics. It's because uh, it become- special interests start getting involved and they start distorting the truth and the process for financial reasons. Okay, so what the-
1: financial reasons would impact studying UFOs and possible ET visitations?
7: Well, the technology involved in, with extraterrestrial life and UFOs, uh, you know, field propulsion systems, cheap energy technologies involving, you know, uh, fields from the zero point energy, a lot of this kind of stuff is very profitable if you don't have any competition if you create a monopoly. So I've, I I kind of came up with this idea you know, with the idea that basically what we're up against in the UFO field that's co- that's causing the continued cover-up cover of UFOs is that there is like an alien resource cartel, like what you have with the oil cartel, you know, in in the oil cartel you have nations that are organized to keep the price of oil up and to, you know, suppress uh, some you know other technologies that may you know, cause problems. For so, them. therefore, so, the
1: threat of possible alien technology, which uh, maybe makes the, a few assumptions if we assume. No, 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 the, the
7: sure. probability of reverse engineering. No, engineering, I understand. They, but
1: if we are able to get a hold of an advanced alien aircraft, somehow reverse engineer it, mm-hmm, discover mm-hmm. new, cheaper forms of propulsion, whatever, mm-hmm. the. Oil companies, the vested interests, don't want that to happen, so they stop it. Is that yeah, on what you're the one saying?
7: hand? Then on the other hand, you have companies like General Electric who've been involved in this from the get go. You know, if you really want to get into the origins of the cover up and everything, you, you know, you need to go back to the early nineteen forties, especially in the late 40s of Operation Paperclip. You know, when we brought all the Nazi, Nazi scientists over right after the war for the rocket programs, well, General Electric was a subcontractor or a contractor to the Army at the time for for all the, rock, the rocket research, you know, on the uh, uh, early rockets. You know, Bern, Von Braun and Oldberg and all those. They also brought over ones that had been working in Ger- in Germany, look, looks like with field propulsion systems, and that it may have been a crash as early as 1938 or 36 in Germany.
1: Okay, we have and- maybes here. Okay, <laughs> so let's just kind of bring this to a core question here. Okay, to reverse engineer alien technology, we have to possess the alien technology. In 1938, you say there may have been a crash, where did this possible crash occur? What evidence Uh, is there for it?
7: uh, You can go on the Internet, and I've got it linked in in my articles and on the book that I'm writing right now, rewrite a lot of my articles. You might type in uh, uh, German uh, UFO crash 1938. If if that's not it, 36, you'll probably get it.
1: Okay, so basically it's it's on the Internet. It means it's true?
7: It doesn't mean it's true, but that information is there. And you can study up on that. And but now on now you, there are documents that show that the Germans were involved in uh, this kind of technology. That can also be accessed on the internet. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but it, you know it's accessible on the internet. And I think you can prove to your own satisfaction that it is true that some that some of these uh, documents and uh, drawings. Uh, technical drawings are real. Okay, I have and, a and so reference
1: th- here. I have a mm-hmm. reference here, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a UFO that supposedly crashed in the Black Forest in Nazi Germany in 1936, right? Yeah, it's 36 to okay.
7: 38. Okay, okay so right
1: if it crashed, it meant, therefore, that these famous scientists like von Braun were called in to check this this crash of an alien spacecraft. Mm-hmm. And supposedly they tried to reverse engineer something.
7: Yeah, but, so there was two pro- So, right there, there were sure. two programs. There was a public program that when the v- V2 started dropping bombs on London, you know, everybody knew about those rockets, right? And, and you know, jet airplanes yeah, at the end of the war but there was this also this parallel space program or aerospace program that seems to have begun about then with the Germans first and then later then later it was when when we moved the Germans rocket scientists we also moved some of these scientists involved in, in field propulsion systems or connected to it also and there's one guy one guy showed up here just recently in this Parsec interview that Stephen Greer had done with this computer security expert and he brought up that he had met at Tonopah. He had, that was a uh, that's part of Nellis. Uh, okay, that, that, but if that, they
1: were successful in these developments, what technology came from it? The V2 rocket?
7: No, no. That, that the V2 rocket was the uh, public, uh, it, the public it, it, it was research. The public face right, of the but okay, over, but faced program, face okay, program. okay, okay. Excuse that.
1: me, excuse me, Ed. Okay, mm-hmm. faced with the setbacks, the end of World War II. Nazi Germany wants to save the Reich. They couldn't bring out some alien technology to make it happen?
7: Well, they, that's what they were working on. But they didn't get it to the point where they could use it like they were able to use the rockets because they didn't have a lot of time. It, it, you know, apparently they got into it in the late 30s, not any earlier than that. But okay, they were... but
1: where is the evidence? I see the references online. There's <laughs> dozens of references to a UFO crash in 1936 and reports. Where Is a smoking gun.
7: Okay. What do you mean? What kind of evidence are you talking about?
1: Evidence that it happened, not just because somebody writes it on the Internet. What evidence is there that such a crash took place?
7: Well, it's not whether somebody writes on the Internet. It depends who writes it, whether that person is credible, you know, who who it is. Are you talking, you know, for instance, you know, both Oberth and uh, Von Braun said that extraterrestrials were real, basically, you know, and they made those statements and those quotes are available. I mean, they're pretty. Okay. So those quotes are available where? So, so, but if you're looking for hard, and where like,
1: okay, and where are those quotes available? What they uh, said just, about E. T. Okay,
7: just go to my blog, exopolitics.blogspot.com/slash.
1: Okay, but instead of having everybody look it over, why don't you summarize it? Where did they make these statements?
7: Okay. I'm going to have to go and see, see what's uh, written with the quote. You know, you can look it up. Anybody can just put in a search you know, in uh Oberth, uh, extraterrestrial, and you'll come up with uh, probably with the quote. Do you want to do that or me do that?
1: Okay, so if I look up Oberth and ET? Yep.
7: Yeah, look up Oberth and extraterrestrial.
1: Oberth and extraterrestrial. This is live research, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right. Or, so let's or, just take or a birth look. Just, okay, Oberth and extraterrestrial.
12: Yeah,
7: I just okay, the and case. I'm looking up
1: his Wikipedia entry. Okay, hmm And let's just okay. He was obviously a supporter of the ET hypothesis for mm-hmm. UFOs. hmm We understand that. Okay, so let's okay. That's pretty much confirmed. Run, he run, believed run that UFOs down. were real. On the other hand, did he ever have any evidence?
7: Of you're not you're not going to have any physical evidence because anybody that gets physical evidence and they talk about it it's it's going to disappear on them i mean the one of the best cases of that happening and the most detailed is in which chris is you know, you, you know is well aware which is ray stanford's uh sonoral crash in which there was some uh a uh, little bit of metal from the landing gear that was uh, uh that he recovered, and the whole process he went through. And the song and dance he had to do, and it disappeared from it disappeared in the, during the examination. You know when he had it was having it right. and he blamed, analyzed. Yeah, you blamed Dick that? Hall
2: for forty years for that one.
7: <laughs> yeah, but okay, we've been
1: is, blaming Dick Hall for a lot of things over well, the, the thing years, thing but he's is, no longer what, more, here to defend himself. Yeah, I'll tell you what, well, let's do the break, Ed, and then okay. we'll we'll cover this and we'll cover you know where we go from here. Okay. Ed Komarek, the subject exopolitics. We're talking also about whether there was a UFO crash in 1936 in the Black Forest in Germany, about statements made by the German scientists, and more with Gene and Chris. You're in
2: The Paracast.
8: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search
1: no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com.
11: Warning, this content is powerful and may cause others to reject your knowledge. If you want to know what happened to America, if you like cutting edge information, if you need to convince someone that something different than what they believe is actually taking place, and to experience the true history of America you won't find anywhere else, get the new book, Satan's Show. Satan's Show is a hard-hitting look at what many know as the Antichrist and proof of a mind-control agenda. Learn how America was tricked into entering World War I and get over nine hours of audio and over 700 reliable web links. Satan's Show is available in ebook and audio downloads. Click the special offer for $14.99 and you'll receive both, plus Operation Northwoods on audio free with purchase. Download today at satanshow.com. You will be shocked. You will be amazed. SatanShow.com
13: As we age, we lose both strength and muscle mass. Undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows is nature's most powerful food to gain back lost muscle. Virtually all whey protein powders or drinks have been damaged during processing or are high in sugar. This damaged whey causes a significant loss in the ability of the body to build new muscle proteins. The high sugar content will stop all the benefits of your growth hormone from causing muscle repair. By giving your body easily absorbed undamaged whey free of added sugar, you may be able to gain back lost muscle and strength. One World Whey is truly undamaged whey protein powder free of added sugar. Both young and elderly are reporting increases in muscle strength and size without any additional exercise. Go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWHEY.com to read or hear some impressive testimonies to this effect. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325.
7: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George
1: Snorri? We have Ed Komarek. We're trying to find out on the Paracast with Gene and Chris just what's going on in terms of knowledge about E.T. And understand, Ed, because somebody believes in UFOs, or accepts the possibility that some UFOs or spaceships doesn't mean they have evidence to demonstrate that.
7: Well, it depends what you mean by evidence. Is is, is it witness? Is, do you consider witness testimony from a credible person evidence? I mean, well, I, I've that?
2: got a, I've got some quotes here from uh, Herman Oberth.
7: You should be, get down to the quote. There should be a quote down here somewhere. Yeah,
2: there's a good one here. Doctor Herman Oberth, who pioneered rocket design for the German Reich during World War II and later advanced rocket technology for the American manned space launches, cryptically stated, "Quote." We cannot take the credit for a record advancement in certain scientific fields alone. We have been helped. When asked by whom, he replied, the people of other worlds.
7: Okay, now, now look up look up, Walter von Braun, extraterrestrial. He's the other top rocket scientist.
2: Yeah, here's another one. It is my thesis that flying saucers are real and that they are spaceships from another solar system. There is no doubt in my mind that these objects are interplanetary craft of some sort. I and my colleagues are confident that they do not originate in our solar system.
7: If you're going to find hard evidence, we might as well just forget it because you're not going to have any hard evidence okay. because the evidence is going to be immediately confiscated, and it's happened over time and time again. You know, I was talking to Len Stringfield uh, years ago when he was, you know, when he was alive, and we were talking about Dr. Hynek and you know, and Dr. Hynek having uh, allegiance to. The intelligence community, or to the Air Force first, and to the public second. And Stringfield told me personally that Heineck thought he had some debris uh, from a crash. And Heineck told him later, after after the fact, that I mean, he didn't have, you know, didn't end up having it. But Heineck thought he did. That after he did this lecture, Heineck said that he had several Air Force uh, people in the Air Force there to confiscate that material from him right there on the spot. And Heineck told him that. And then also, if you remember Jacques Vallee, uh Heinick told Jacques Vallee that he was getting money through the CIA through the McGraw-Hill cutout. And so you've got to understand that these guys, you know, in, in the case of Ray Stanford, Heinick was very involved with Ray Stanford in that case and whatever. And so they knew immediately when there was evidence. And they know how to track the evidence, and that evidence is going to disappear. So, I mean, if you're looking for hard evidence, you you know, when you're dealing with a multi-billion, trillion-dollar cover-up of these technologies and whatever, you're not going to be able to get that evidence out to the public. Even if you start to get it out, it's going to be picked up through the intelligence networks. And then they're going to come down on you pretty hard. And there's case after case of, of situations like that where it either disappeared or, you know, people had, you know, came down hard on them.
1: OK, so basically the answer is here is that you can't ever get evidence and present it because the powers that be will take it from you.
7: Well, it, it, it depends. It just what you mean by evidence. There are a lot of different kinds of evidence. You know, there's witness testimony as evidence in a court of the law that can put somebody in prison for their whole life or even have them uh, put to the electric ta- chair.
1: OK, so we understand that eyewitness testimony can certainly be used in a court of law to convict somebody. All right. We understand that. But I think part of it is also the acceptance of the facts around it, because we know that witness testimony can be unreliable. So it's not just the That's eyewitness right. testimony, That's it's wrong. supporting evidence. You know, That's well right. and, and okay, any, okay he fix- saw it, John Smith or whoever commit yeah, this yeah. crime.
7: But yeah, we, we also a, a have him on, law, good on the webcam. Lawyer the, can undermine the, you know, excuse you know, me, excuse me. Witness, I, no let me fin- may I
1: finish are, Ed. Ed, Ed gotta finish. Okay, let me finish my statement then you can finish yours. Okay. So we assume then if someone says I saw John Smith commit this act and we can basically find evidence that John Smith was in the neighborhood when he committed the Mm-hmm. The convenience store robbery or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some backup okay. evidence. It's not just what someone says. If someone says mm-hmm. they were sexually abused, you're going to look at that and see if there's other evidence. Trace evidence such as DNA, stuff like that. Yeah. They do with a woman what they call a rape kit. If you've seen, you know, Law and Order, you know about that stuff. Yeah. So there's going to be evidence. So it's not okay. just, it's not a, just a the eyewitness recently, testimony. Right? It's the accompanying evidence and also how reliable that person is.
7: That's right. Okay, and, and and in court, you know, you have both sides present their case, and they argue, you know, their case, and they present their witness testimony and any physical evidence that they have, and then the court decides, you know, what the truth is, and the, and comes up with a sentence. So the judge comes up with a sentence, and so we're trying this in the court of public opinion, so to speak. I would suppose, you know, being that it's never really got into the, you know, been it got into court, even though some people have talked about doing that and presenting it, you know, in in a court. Type of environment, but now if you want to start to get into physical evidence, you know, in association with say uh, alien contact, for instance, uh, Bob, you know, Bob Collins, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, uh, Captain. Oh, yeah. uh, Robert Collins. Okay, uh, on his Facebook page, you'll I think you should still find a link to uh, a case that he's been involved in, along with uh, Sims. Uh, which a witness said that that the Grays had been messing with him, and he took a sword and he whacked one and got blood. And that that blood was then sent off by, I guess, the guy's name was Levingood. And, and yeah, Lefty. And, and, yeah, Levengood according to Bob. So, I mean, in that case, you not only have the witness testimony, but you do have – alleged uh, DNA uh, or uh, hemoglobin evidence or whatever. So, I mean, you can concentrate on those cases. Okay, so let's look at,
1: okay, the evidence then, where is it? Where is that DNA evidence?
7: Okay, let's go to Bob.
2: uh, uh, He sent it to the Grass Lakes Biophysical Laboratory up in uh, Wisconsin where uh, W.C. Levengood uh, has his lab and stuff there.
7: Yeah, yeah, and so you can, so... so, uh, Let's see we, if we we've been to... we
2: we've offered an invitation for Bob to come on the show uh, and talk about the case, but we haven't really got him uh, to commit yet.
1: Uh-huh. Well, well, I guess he, we'd like to see the results, that evidence from
7: the yeah, lawyer. he'd be a good wouldn't that one? be nice? Sure. Yeah, well, he he said it's got pretty serious though and dangerous, and you know people have been you know harassed and whatever, and that's the kind of situation you're going to run into when somebody gets some real evidence, because well, that let's, would blow let's the take... cover-up. You know, if, if you got, came up with real evidence, and you could get it out to the media, and you could get it out to the mass public, no more cover-up. So there's no way the intelligence communities and the people involved and the cartels involved in this are going to let that happen. And if, you know, if it starts, you know, they're going to stop it. If they can, if not, they're going to destroy your reputation.
1: Okay, so basically, though, this may be true. I'm not going to say it's not, but also it could be used as an excuse. You could say, well, the reason I don't have evidence for this is because it was confiscated or the powers that be won't oh, let yeah. me present it. I yeah. gave it to this laboratory and it disappeared. I sent the photographs off to be examined and the photographs vanished. Couldn't find them. Yeah.
6: So that, that, basically,
1: false, false but narrative. is that also used as an excuse? I mean, yeah, well, I'm not saying what you're saying is well, not true. 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 Ed, it works but, if you don't interrupt me. Okay. Okay. We're trying to be civil here. Okay. But I understand what you're saying. But the problem is here is that it's also a convenient excuse to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, they took the evidence, they won't let me present it. That can be an excuse also. How do I know well, that's uh, true?
7: Yeah, I completely agree. Because, and that's basically is how do you tell the difference between a counterfeit dollar and a real dollar, especially if, you ha- if, if the counterfeit dollar is made by a real good counter, counterfeiter. You know, so you know. Basically, the bottom line is, you you're right. There are people, and there and the UFO community is rife with these people that are creating false false uh, narratives based upon their exposure to the UFO community. So they're feeding information back through into a false narrative, and. If you don't ha- have collaborating evidence, you're really setting yourself up to go over a cliff with them. And a lot of people are doing that, and it's discouraging a lot of people in the field, and people give up once they've been had and they've been conned. They give up, and they don't go any further. Okay, that kind
1: of covers this issue of the UFO crash in the block forest. We have reports that may have happened, but we don't have evidence that ever occurred. That evidence has been confiscated.
7: You would have to go back and study. Well, you're going to have to realize mostly, you know, you're probably just wasting your time if you're looking for some physical evidence. That solid evidence is going to blow the cover up wide open because you're not. That would end the cover up. There'd be no more cover up at that time. So what we have to do, in lieu of not having access to that kind of, of material and being able to get it out into the public domain, we have to rely rely on witness testimony and on the credibility of in the bit, certain individuals like Oberth and Walter von Braun. Ben rich, you know, who said that we have the technology to take ET home, and it would take an act of God to get it out of the, you know, out of the corporations and whatnot into the public hands. So well, Ed,
2: to- Ed, that leads us to to uh, you know w- the logical progression in the conversation would be what you cover in chapter three of your book that's slowly being published online at your blogspot, and that mm-hmm. is. The whole idea of the breakaway civilization, as I think Richard uh, Dolan was one one that coined it. I'll tell you what, we'll we'll go
1: into the breakaway civilization, but we have to break away. With Ed Komarak and Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
8: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: We're focusing on UFOs, crash UFOs in 1936, exopolitics, so much more, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Ed Comrack, Chris was mentioning something about a chapter in your book. Chris, pick it up.
2: Yeah, the whole idea that, uh, as Richard Dolan has coined it, uh, the Breakaway Civilization, which would include some sort of sp- secret space program, which you kind of alluded to that the the, the Third Reich or the, the Nazis may have had something uh, akin to that, and also the whole idea of, of special access programs which are highly classified and highly protected by the government and the military-industrial complex. Where do you come down on this? Now, you do have quite a bit of information in here that that, that does seem to suggest that we do have this scenario uh, alive and well. Why don't we talk about the next kind of step from the cover-up uh, into a breakaway uh like civilization now in terms of stolen evidence i can uh, gene (laughs) believe me ufo evidence does get stolen i've i've had stuff stolen maps photographs a master tape of an incredible sighting uh that was videotaped over hooper colorado uh when i went to put a trace on the certified return receipt was requested insured package my postmaster didn't even have a form to fill out because of this disappeared uh, certified package, so these this type of thing does occur it's it 's fairly routine and this does suggest that there is some agency monitoring this type of information so let's let 's look at this whole idea of a secret space program and a breakaway civilization and where do you come down on that
7: well what i 'm trying to do in, in writing rewriting this book is to present my argument that there is First, there is this breakaway society or civilization that is involved in very a very advanced uh, space program that is covert and that we that no that the public does general public does not know about it. And also, this is also very involved in tunneling and uh, underground facilities, secure facilities, uh, particularly in the Western United States and whatever, out of the public eye. And that this all began way back. Apparently, maybe with the Germans and then Operation Paperclip, there were two space programs. There was a secret space program, and then there was the public space program. And then in the 1960s, my argument is, in which I'm presenting evidence, is that possibly speculating that one of the reasons that we didn't go back to the moon was is that we simply shifted from the uh, rocket space program to a more advanced type of uh, space program, and that we have continued to go back to the moon and may even have a base on the moon and Mars. Now, so I'm presenting this argument, you know, through these chapters that that's indeed what has happened, and that it's not something I can really explain very well in the interview. People have to go study the links that I present for the, you know, for the the evidence for this. But
3: okay,
1: we've heard it, this before that there is a parallel space program being held in secret where they're using advanced spacecraft and all sorts of things have been discovered, whatever. Okay. But again, we have the same problem. How the heck do we nail this down?
7: Uh, well, th- it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of study and the general public, you know, is almost, it's almost impossible for the general public to sort it out because you have all these frauds in the field you know uh, involved in this, so the best that we can do, I feel like I can do is to write this book, you know which is really a summary of all the information that's in my over two hundred articles that I've written and have circulated on the internet for the last ten years, and all the links to that information. To present the argument that this is indeed what's happening. For instance, you can see the timeline as this, this secret space program develops. Uh, there's a very important document that gets overlooked by a lot of people, which is the uh, 1956 Wright Patterson declassified document on the state of ex- extra gravitics in 1956, whatever. It's pages and pages and pages. And in that, in that uh, it clearly shows in that document that major corporations, General Electric and other corporations that became the the defense contractors we have today and whatever, but General Electric really sticks out like a red flag. In fact, General Electric, one of the prime debunkers, Phil Kloss, in the UFO community, worked for General Electric in the 1950. And General Electric was involved in bringing the Nazis over in Operation Paperclip.
1: You know what interests me just as much here, when you look at stuff like that, is that statement that former Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld made on the day before 9-11, September 10th, about, what, several trillions of dollars they could not account for. $2.2 trillion. Okay, $2.2 trillion. And we go back to the jokes about how the military spends $400 on a toilet seat. And then there's that funny statement in the movie Independence Day by Judd Hirsch. You know what I mean? They spend $800 on a toilet seat or something that they're using this to fund some sort of black project. Of course, that doesn't mean this had any connection with 9-11, except that it knocked the statement off the radar. So is that also indication that there's a lot of money being spent behind the scenes that we're not accounting for that may accomplish this? But the other question I'd ask is, is it just the U.S. with a secret space program? If we're having secret space programs, what about the Chinese? What about the Russians? They're doing it too?
7: Well, the important thing to look at is that wright you know, if you're really into documents and documented evidence, is that Wright-Patterson paper, because that's clearly not a hoax. That is, It was declassified from Wright-Patterson, and you can just look up on the Internet, Electrogavitics 1956 uh, Wright-Patterson, and you'll get it, and I've got it in my book. I put the whole thing in there because it's so important because it shows that the state of electrogravitics is basically negation of gravity. And that document shows that in 1956, or a little before that, the document I guess was written in 1956, that these companies like General Electric were on the verge of making major advancements in electrogravitics. And it was a big thing back then. I remember even as a little kid having a having a book with a rocket, you know, so and so, and like the uh, anti gravity paint. This little rocket was painted. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of talk back then about anti gravity, but all of a sudden, almost within a year or two, it completely disappeared off the off the radar, off the public uh, radar. Nothing, zip, gone. What I'm st- trying to argue that I'm making is is that it just disappeared out of the public eye, but it's c- continued in the covert realm as classified uh, projects, the same way at, as, as the General Space Program as it was advancing. And another really good uh, source of information here recently was Boyd Bushman. He's a ser- senior scientist for Lockheed Martin, and he, he actually came out and uh, discussed ElectroVidics, showed how you could set up an experiment. If you had, like, five grand, you could take two very powerful magnets and that you could cram them together, uh, reverse polarities, and if you dropped it from up on a stairwell with another uh, object the same size and weight and everything, the, this one would come down much slower. And so this guy, you know, has come out and talked about the uh, stable electricities. But here, the the second interview that he did, he actually showed up in the interview a diagram of a craft of saucer that he said had been had uh, had been built with a, a field propulsion system, had been but had been powered by a miniature nuclear power plant. And so that was in 1959. So the Wright-Patterson paper came out in uh, 1956, but it looks like by 1959 on the timeline we had a nuclear-powered spacecraft. And then if you remember the Cash-Lundrum case, which was in the 70s, uh, uh, there was a a craft, uh, exotic craft, surrounded by helicopters that irradiated uh, uh, Betty Cash and just Lundrum, you know, and that even went into the Congress, and the government denied it ever happened, and they, you know, got very sick from that and everything. And so my supposition there, of speculation, is is something went wrong with the nuclear power plant, and that was one of ours in the ni- early 1970s. So that was another little point on the timeline. Well, you know, and that so- raises
1: an interesting question here, which I really think we can pursue before we get into more of the meaning of exopolitics. and that is to give people a little bit of a cliffhanger. How many of these so-called craft are really one of ours, not one of theirs? Ed Komrek has joined us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online
14: Hey, everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you
9: long-range patrol ration entrees if you know survival you know lrps are the undisputed king of military rations hands down the best for your bug out bag or survival pack to go farther faster and carry more food there's nothing better than a brick pack lrp cold weather ration entree nothing now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today that's 866-404-3663 or freeze dry guy.com
12: your source for survival food in an uncertain world burglars love easy targets like a dark house that looks like no one is home don't let your home be the next target make it look like someone is home watching television with fake tv Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, comes with AC adapter, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and give one or more for Christmas. Now through Christmas, get free standard shipping on any quantity Fake TV purchase. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to FakeTV.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes.
1: Now, long, long time ago, our old friend Jim Mosley said that he thought a lot of UFO cases were Earth based. And I think he did that. He admits he did that mostly just to keep the argument going. But in point of fact, that's one discussion that you, Ed Comerack, are raising right now that this particular UFO case involved a test of a nuclear powered craft of that course. we made.
12: Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right,
7: and so that that complicates the matter even more. So, how, what's the public to think? You know, that, that, but which we have to go to, unless you have enough information and you got enough of collaborating evidence on timelines and and basic intelligence, you're going to probably not get to the bottom of it. That's why a lot of people just throw up their hands because of the fraud in the system and whatever. But if you go back, you can see that the power plant that we didn't look like at that time, we didn't have any kind of exotic power plant technology basically the navy had learned how to miniaturize nuclear power plants for, for submarines and for aircraft carriers and that sort of thing and they were already putting them into spacecraft to run the field propulsion system because the field propulsion systems use a huge amount of electricity so it's got a you know it takes a lot of power to run that field propulsion system so you're already seeing a divert a divergence there of reverse engineered already in the 60s late 50s and the 60s that can confuse the issue as to which craft are extraterrestrial, or maybe extraterrestrial may be extraterrestrial polity and which ones may be our own. So you just have to kind of keep following the timeline. Another key part of the timeline was in the 19 early 1960s. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Bill Uhaus. He claimed to have actually worked with an extraterrestrial in a, in a program involving gray extraterrestrials, tall gray extraterrestrials on the uh simulators for the flying disc this was in the 1960s no it always
1: bothers me about this and i'm not saying it's not happening is Mm -hmm. if we have all of these advanced aircraft and we're spending all these trillions of dollars to fight wars ground wars Mm -hmm. in of course the middle east wouldn't it make sense and maybe Break out one of these things from time to time. And we're not just talking about drones because there's no indications that drones are anything but our own technology. But break out the stuff and try to show what we can do and maybe get these wars over real fast?
7: Well, the problem, the problem I think, is, is that then our adversaries know how to make, make these things. And not some of it's not all that tough. Tough to make. And so if our adversaries, you know, even even the Russians though knew what was going on, you know, in the Manhattan Project. They had their spies in the Manhattan Project and were able to build a bomb right after the after we built our bomb. So you're not fooling these other countries, but you you are fooling the public. So I think it, it, it and there's a general thing, you know. Yes, but to, one
1: point here. If other countries knew we could do this stuff, That would basically allow us to assert even greater control. And how could they not know? They certainly have spies here. Uh -uh. Uh,
7: Yeah, and they do know. And and they're kind of involved in it because, like, I actually heard from, talked to two different people. Uh, You know, some people feel like Clifford Stone has some credibility problems, and you can always find problems with different people. But both Clifford Stone and Charles Hall essentially uh, told me that stuff that the Chinese sent up or the Russians sent up Uh, They have to ask permission for it, or it just disappears. Can you imagine trying to tell your public, a Russian public or the Chinese public, that you can't, that you got to have America's or the American allies' permission to send something up into space? I mean, that's not going to go over very well with your public. So right there, they're not going to blow the whistle on it. It's not in their interest, and it's not in the United States' interest to blow the whistle on it. But now there's other countries third world countries and whatever that maybe would like to get the information out, like, you know, the Brazilians who've been declassifying a lot of documents. I mean, the latest from the petition was is absolutely nothing out of the ordinary is going on that was presented, you know, to the White House about UFOs. And still they're sticking to their storyline that absolutely nothing is going on, but the British are releasing large amounts of documents, thousands and thousands of pages the brazilians are releasing thousands of pages pictures cases working with the ufo investigators in brazil in argentina same thing peru ecuador all these countries are declassifying documents like crazy now anybody can get on the internet and look up the documents they're real they've been declassified in these different countries and whatever you know they're not
2: they're holding on to the good stuff plus uh, we had aj gavard on couple yeah. of months back. And of course. I asked AJ point blank, hey, have they <laughs> released any films, any photographs, any good scientific data? And he said no.
7: Well, not in Brazil, but they did in Mexico. Remember the uh, gun camera photos in Mexico and I think in Argentina? And also Ecuador released some stuff because Ecuador got really pissed at the CIA. Well, not, I am not know if I'm supposed to use that word or not, but got upset at the CIA. And some things that happened, and they uh, started uh, releasing inform- some information. A lot of these other countries are releasing information like crazy, show- very, showing very much that the military is very involved in this, takes this very seriously, and it's just the tip of the iceberg that they're releasing while the united states is still sticking to its false narrative that nothing out of the ordinary is going on that maybe there's something way out there a million light years away but certainly not in everybody's backyard you know affecting your neighbor i mean if it still works why fix it you know so they figure they can still get away you know with this kind of deception in the public in the united states whereas in other countries they're trying to get the information out but the reason the united states doesn't want to let it out is because they're number one in all this and they've got a monopoly their corporations have got uh monopoly on these technologies and whatever and who wants competition whether you're in our oil cartel or whether you're our trust that's your banking trust or whatever you're involved in the last thing you want is competition because that's going to cut down on your profits what i'm saying is is that there is an alien resource cartel made up of corporations, major defense contractors, computer uh, companies, and whatever, that go all back to that Wright-Patterson declassified paper that are making uh, possibly trillions of dollars on this. They don't want competition, and so they've got the brakes on any kind of effort to try to get this information out to the public. And any country that pushes it too hard can get into trouble, like Granada. You know, there was a lot of speculation that Granada, that real but they did go to the U- U.N. and present, you know, information released on UFOs and whatever. And there was even speculation they might have had a crash craft or something, and they got invaded shortly thereafter.
2: Yeah, right after the symposium.
7: Yeah, you're talking about really big money. That- that's the problem that the public has, is getting, being able to wrap their mind around something this big. It's the same way with this banking cartels essentially trying to create a global plantation, you know, the New World Order. It's so big, so vast. It involves so many trillions of dollars, and so much of it is classified and compartmentalized on a need-to-know basis, most of the rank and file even that work on these programs and stuff don't understand the big picture or what's coming down the pike. And, and so, so that's so, why
2: we don't have uh, whistleblowers and people coming out and saying, there's a secret space program. That was my next question, is how do you keep something so expensive, so huge, so secret?
7: You got your plumber. Remember that Nixon's plumbers, you know, in Watergate, that caused so much problem because they bu- bungled the the uh, operation to get into Ellsberg's office. Right. I mean, that was just a small, little small operation that got bungled. You know, when you're talking about such a huge operation, you're talking about they had the resources to, even if information does get out, to either discredit that person, or harass that person, intimidate them and get them back in the fold again and real information when it does come out on the internet or something you get a little snippet you know like this recently there was a, a guy who claimed to be a captain and he got to talking to some people where it was not a very credible forum and i'll tell you said, what we
1: have to pursue these revelations from the internet and more with ed komrek with jean and chris you're in the Paracast. America's
8: number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
15: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, Dot .com Attack, Attack of the Rockworms rock a novel in the grand science fiction tradition The perfect
12: water for drinking bathing and cleaning right at your fingertips Yes, you can now have the most powerful water ionizer on the market for less than half the price of competitors. The Genesis Platinum Water Ionizer from GibsonsHealth.com creates the perfect drinking water of 9.5 pH, automatically cleans every time you use it, and even tells you when to change filters. Other 7-plate water ionizers are priced at two dollars or even $3,000. But the Genesis Platinum is only $16.95. Get yours today at GibsonsHealth.com. Under Nutritionals, be sure to click on Essential Oils for Aromatic Liquids extracted from a broad range of flowers stems seeds and bark and to really balance your body click on go green the most complete green drink available necessary for survival all this and more are found at gibsonshealth.com call 800-388-6844 that's 800-388-6844 or gibsonshealth.com healthful living since 1974 what happened man
5: You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. Iodine Protection
16: Packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock save you money and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach and colon. Keep your body clean. Clean with micro-plant powder. Visit us at hempusa.org or call 908-691-2608 today. This is Kurt Zemm, the author of UFO
9: Mysteries, and you're listening to The Paracast.
1: A lot is coming our way here with Ed Comrec, with Gene and Chris here in The Paracast, Exploring all this information, but like I said, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the internet. You really have to be very skeptical of some of that stuff.
7: You know, the problem is the problem. What we have is is that some people have have their spam filters turned down too low, and some people have their spam (laughs) filters turned up too high.
2: (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here at the the (laughs) podcast, we got really robust spam
7: filters (laughs) yeah and that usually what happens is you get hoaxed a few times and you tend to tighten down on your spam filter and the problem with that is you then exclude a lot of information that's the reason that i you know i try to keep my spam filter pretty open and that's why i really appreciate you know skeptical people particularly Informed skeptics, disinformed skeptics, or uninformed skeptics—that's another thing. But informed skeptics that know the subject matter and whatever can keep me from going off of a cliff, from going too far out on the limb, and having it breaking up, breaking off off.
2: Well, we'll let you jump off the cliff, Ed, but we'll make sure that we have a bungee cord tied to you so you'll bounce right back up, and we can continue the conversation.
7: <laughs> hey, that's why I'm talking to you today, or whatever, but you know, because if I'd gone off a cliff, you wouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Look what happened to Eric Julian. You know, Eric Julian started off, you know, saying that he had extraterrestrial communications and everything else, and then he goes off the cliff with that prediction that you know there was a comet going to hit in the mid-Atlantic, and people could have even got hurt in that. Some people even evacuated from the African coast because of that prediction and everything. And I was all over him trying to stop it and whatever, but I couldn't, you know, he, and it completely discredited him and everything that uh, that he was involved in.
2: Well, and look <laughs> at the the Paul Benowitz case. I mean, a classic example of a guy that was pushed over the cliff because he may have stumbled on early uh, digital burst transmissions uh, right there at Kirtland Air Force
7: Base. Well, th- that was official, st- you know, kind of an unofficial official story, whatever. But he might have actually got into something there. And that's when you get into this whole area of Deuce, New Mexico, which has all come to a light again, you know, which I'm myself, I'm fairly skeptical about. Bob Collins, who knows quite a bit, seems to think there's something to it, but it's not located in the in that on that Indian reservation. It's located at See something or whatever or whatnot but so that's the problem that the public has is wrapping their mind around this because it's so big I don't know, any of you guys seen the the documentary thrive
2: thrive no not yet
7: okay it's on the internet uh, I had it on my wall but I noticed that I tried I watched it last night uh, because I had a good signal here on my laptop they did a very I thought they did a really good job of Wrapping their mind around something so vast and almost incomprehensible it's just like the the millions of mur- of millions of Jews you know people at the time just could not believe that the Nazis could be you know murdering millions of Jews but it ended up they were doing it and they were doing it in a class on a classified top secret program And that's a lot of the problem It's like, you know, I think Hitler even said, you know, people, you know, will get smart to the small lies, but it's the big lies you can really catch people on because people can't wrap their minds around it so big. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, reverse engineered technology and whatever that are worth, you know, tens of trillions of dollars, maybe a hundred trillion. I mean, that is just a huge sum that, you know, it's almost impossible to to wrap our minds around. It's just like, you know, what is the value of Of the Rothschild family, you know, uh, you know how you know how much is that family really worth? How much are the Rockefellers really worth? How much are the uh, J.P. uh, the Morgans really worth? And are these guys conspiring to create a global plantation with us being the serfs on their global plantation? It's such a fantastic, such a huge, big idea that uh, most people can't wrap their minds around it. And so how can you fight something or go up against something that you can't even comprehend? It's beyond your uh, uh, ability of awareness. You're being attacked by a predator that's operating outside your state of awareness. And so I don't get into, you know, good and evil anymore. I th- think of terms of predation, predator and prey, and that goes back to my, you know, uh ecological background and whatever, that there are predators in this society and they have accumulated huge sums of money and resources and whatever and they can operate beyond the awareness of the prey. And as you know, any predator Uh, very important to a predator to use stealth is to sneak up on the prey outside and there's no state of awareness. And I was also watching a good show on uh, nature in which two eagles were uh, working together and one came down and said, here I am to the rabbit and dove down and the rabbit ran out of the brush and the second eagle nailed it. So when you can distort the prey's awareness, you can then Easily prey on the prey, and that's what's happening on on uh, on us in, in a lot of ways. We know something's wrong. We know we don't feel right, but we don't real, you know, we don't understand. That the, the predation that's being applied to us, the predation, you know, from the creation of money is, you know, is a good example. You know, you can, you know, you privately control the money supply and charge interest and then run it, you know, through your banks where you can create, you know, money that's outside of the pub, of public accountability and whatever. You have a tremendous power over that society. And it's just, but it's beyond most people's awareness. And I was just reading that quote from Henry Ford or whatever that said, if they knew this, you know, the public we would have a revolution by the next morning.
2: Right. You keep mentioning General Electric, and I just saw again that uh, last year they they filed a 57,000 page tax return and paid no tax.
7: There you go. On $2 billion (laughs) billion
2: of profit. $2 billion Uh of profit. They didn't pay a dime of tax.
1: And by the way, Fox News didn't pay tax either, News Corporation, which owns Fox News. There you go. So a lot of this is going on. You know, Before we even progress more into how this all relates to exopolitics, I think the key here is maybe a lot of this stuff is going on, a lot of secret government stuff that's really tantalizing. We'd love to know the answers. But other than just going on radio shows like this and writing books about it and complaining and screaming and yelling and maybe sending petitions to the president, how do we (laughs) find a way to actually bring it home
2: to prove it's going on? listen to people like ben rich on his deathbed that's a classic tell us about that one
7: yeah you know it, well even before on his deathbed i think he was at a public meeting of some sort you may know what which, which meeting it was chris and that's when he said we had the technology to take et home and right, then that was then,
2: uh, jan harzen was there and heard that i remember
7: yeah and then also he, he confined to a friend of his who was that guy Aunt andrew or some whatever on his on his deathbed and what you know whatever and said that you know we have this technology but it'll take an act of God to get it out into the public domain and he and he didn't know whether that was going to happen or not he said he, you know and even you know they even taped um, uh, who uh, the the head of Na, uh, NASA um, um, what what's his what's his name that, that came out they they take uh, Aus- Chris you know the guy's name. Oster, whatever. Oster? Uh, Bobby Inman take Bobby Inman on a phone conversation. And oh, Bob
2: Exler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob yeah Exler. anything that he comes up with, I kind of look at with a grain of salt. But yeah, <laughs> that was an interesting uh, aside. Oh, Hal Putoff has been has uh, been quoted a couple of times as saying some pretty interesting but, things. Uh, yeah, they
7: try but, to do what they can and they can do, but they can only go so far because the the the, the hard hand of of, of this uh, uh, these programs will come down on them because it's all classified and we know what the penalties are for revealing classified information. So as long as you can keep all this information, this whole breakaway society as a classified society you can keep it covered you know and you have enough resources to be able to do the you know the plumbers to you know to fix the leaks you know even when you you're always going to have leaks you just have to have a plumbers there to fix them and uh and so they can fix the leaks and that's the problem with it it's just it's just too big for the general public the only way i think we're going to going to you know to get to the point here is to get this out is we've, we've got to develop a swarm like what's happening in the social networks and whatever, where enough people swarm on to something that they break it wide open. And that's you know, and that's, you know going to be the way that it's happening. Enough people have to get involved and aware enough that, yes, something is going on here. We don't know exactly what it is. There's a lot of disinformation floating around. There's a lot of false narratives. But there's also some very credible people that are saying this is real. So we better get our act together we're looking down the end of a gun and we're not going to be living in a free society we're going to, we're going to be living in a society controlled that's in control of us you know in ways that we have absolutely no understanding of you i'll know? tell you
1: what we also are facing this gun we're under the gun to do a break we have ed komarek with gene and chris you're in the Paracast. Oh!
17: Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% mon- back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough
18: hi this is alex jones This holiday season, more than half of our nation is in need of help due to the shattered economy. So now is the time to express the holiday spirit more than ever. Consider helping those you love with the most important gift, a supply of delicious, easy to fix, and very storable foods from eFoodsDirect.com. Their holiday gift and family packs start at $99 for a 16-day supply. While their five-week supply of quick and easy-to-fix meals includes a personal backpack in case of a grab-and-go emergency. Order their combo gift pack and you'll save hundreds, plus get free shipping on your entire order. Call eFoods today at 800-409-5633 or visit them online at eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex to find the special. That's 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. You can bet your life on e-foods Direct. What looks
19: good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter
2: this is jim mosley editor of saucer smear and i'm here to say a good word or two about the paracast which i believe is the
8: gold standard of paranormal radio listen to it if you can
1: We're exploring all sorts of ramifications about UFOs, UFO secrecy, secret space programs. We've barely even gotten into exopolitics with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Chris, you want to pick up on the direction here?
2: Ed, let's um, let's kind of dovetail this uh, quickly into uh, a conversation about the whole idea, the concept of exopolitics. First of all. You know you're a skeptical but open-minded individual. The very idea of exopolitics—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's a hard one for them to get their heads around. We don't have one shred of unequivocal ev- evidence that there are aliens visiting this planet. That is a part of the public record. So how do you come up with a concept of exopolitics? How would you define it first of all, and then and then what? Why would this be an important thing to be concerned with now?
7: Well, what we we don't have a single shred or a single smoking gun, but we have bukus or shreds. I, I, the way that I like to think about it is that there's a meal at the table, and we're not at the table, but crumbs get knocked onto the floor, and any one of those crumbs is not going to uh, tell us what the, what the meal at the table was. But if you pick up enough crumbs, you pick up a crumb from a piece of cheese, you pick up a crumb from a... Uh, a piece of sausage, it's a little piece of sausage, a little piece of sausage, uh, little piece you of know potato. it's a pizza y- yeah, yeah whatever, a little piece of pizza you know whatever. if you know enough about uh, what you're doing and you're co- using collaborative evidence and you realize that they're also throwing things off the table that is disinformation that's meant to confuse you you know <laughs> you know pieces that are, didn't really come from the table, you have to be a re- you know one of the things that I learned early on in this field is i've got to think like an intelligence operative or intelligence analyst. And you've got to think of collaborative evidence. And keep yourself from going off of a cliff. A lot of times, if you stick with cases where somebody gives a narrative, one individual gives a narrative, but parts of that narrative can be confirmed, thus giving validity to the overall story of that individual. That's why I like the tall whites, the Charles Hall case involving the tall white extraterrestrials, because I can find a lot of collaborating evidence, whereas some of these other guys that go to the le- electric circuit and whatever are just creating these false narratives they 're not getting putting out any new information, and it 's not being there 's no backing up of that information, so what they 're doing is they 're just trashing the field and making it even more difficult for people like myself and other investigators that really are into, into the truth to figure out what 's going on so you have all these shreds of evidence and You've got to put them together in the right way and kick out the the parts that are disinformation and whatever and still come up with some kind of an overall picture of what's going on. And that's what an intelligence operative does, is they, they never know for sure that there's a machine gun over there on the other side of that hill but, by golly, they got enough information to know to be careful when they go over that hill that, they, that the, the evidence doesn't strike them in the chest. Once you get to thinking like an intelligent analyst, you know, you start to realize that there's certain things you, certain things you don't BS. I mean, people can BS other people about the stock market, and the stock market straightens them out pretty fast.
2: Well, well Ed, can, could, could, before you go on, could you do me a really big favor? Mm-hmm. Could you work with uh, Alfred Weber uh, <laughs> well, on his spam filter? And...
7: <laughs> well, do you see my, you know, I, I really upset him because I put this Buyer Beware article in my prologue on my Exopolitics introduction. I call it Buyer Beware, and I specifically refer to him, and he's losing it. He's going the same way that Richard Boland did. Richard Boland used to pretty, be a pretty sane guy at one time, and he took a lot of hits, you know, and he was actually on our Operation Right to Know organization, you know, we held them. Administrations in Washington, D.C. way back in the early 90s, and uh, he was it's pretty sane but he just went off off edge and lost it and you see this happening a lot amongst contactees and uh, even among researchers and alfred is just losing it and i've i've given him a hard time and in, in, in private and i've given him a hard time in public but there's just no stopping him he just keeps cranking it out and how to i don't know how to stop it. you know i, I can't dedicate myself to it because i got too many other you know things to do or whatever but Somebody that needs to be some cops on the beat, and, and every time he posts somewhere or he, he sucks in another sucker or something or whatever to tell that person, you know, now, wait a minute, you know, what are you dealing with here and whatever. So Well, know.
2: I think I think you're talking about the article he put out a couple of weeks ago uh, from this Andrew Bassagio character mm-hmm. stating he was trained uh, to go to Mars by, by Ed Dames, who totally refuted that, <laughs> and, and, you know, and that, that Barack Obama was there. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's Weekly World News disinformation, you know. And, and this guy that the, the Salo, whatever this guy's name is, you know, I, I looked at, looked into what he was his, his what he was talking about, and you know, and I mentioned him in that Fire "Beware" article that he said, "Here's this is a scientific paper of great historic uh, importance." I looked at the article, and I've been grew up with scientists, and they would laugh at that uh, that paper of great scientific importance. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. But Alfred and this and these got these two guys working together are just coming up with this stuff. And then what they do is they mix some real. Good, real cases in there of uh, you know honest people uh, you know like Steve Bassett and and other people in the mix and everything so it discredits everybody. It's the same thing that the Weekly World News you know does. Well, you well,
2: he's considered the father of exopolitics. I think he came up with the term. How do you reconcile yourself as an exopolitics uh, adherent to someone that has gone off the deep end, does not have a bungee cord, and is about ready to hit the bottom? I mean, the guy's a, a lawyer from Yale. You would think that he would have a little bit more common sense, mm-hmm. and um, just like you mentioned, the idea of a spam filter—you'd think that it it would be a little bit more fine. Well, the, the,
7: the only thing that I don't understand here—I don't, you know—I you know, think that you know he's completely lost in any semblance of a spam filter. And that's giving him credit that there's not something else going on beneath it. This is not some kind of a deliberate action. And I don't think it's a deliberate action on, well, on, on his part, but I'm not so sure about Andrew. And this is a perfect way to clock. you know, if, if, if you want to attack an autocratic organization like MUFON, you just infiltrate the, the top of the, of the pyramid but if if you want to attack a network you've got the only way you can really attack a network cuz it's got so many different heads is that you got to flood the system with trash, with garbage, and if you flood the networks with enough garbage, you can take down a network. So I don't know whether it's legit and honest, or whether there's something more to it. But you know, if, it's, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then I have to start treating it as a duck. I don't know how to stop it. No, you know, I couldn't. You can't stop the Weekly World News. You know, at the, every single supermarket checkout counter comes up with these invented, atrocious uh, alien stories and whatever that turns every scientist and anybody off that walks by them. How do you stop that sort of thing? You know. Well, if it
2: looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, break out the buckshot.
7: <laughs> and somebody needs to. Somebody needs to be a cop on the beat to deal that. And I've done what I can. You know, I come out. I got him. You know, I got him really upset. You know, you know, and told him off in private. And I got really upset in public. And then he went over to Michael Salah's, uh site and whatever, and got into it them over there. And he got kicked off, k- kicked off of, off of their site. You know, whatever. But then he just goes back and goes on and on and on like the Energizer Bunny. And there's, you know, I got no, see no way to stop him. You know, other than just try to stick with. With the keep focused on the truth as I see it, and the links to credible information, and uh, help try to pick up the pieces of people that get sucked up in, into this and get uh, harmed by this, you know. But you know, what can you do? I mean, we, you know, it, it you know, it, that, that's the problem with the UFO. One of the problems that are so uh, evident in the UFO field is is that it's it, it's difficult to sort the BS from the real material and in some fields like uh, stock market or like control burning. Uh, you learn really quick. You know you, you know, you don't BS the fire. If you start a fire in the woods and whatever, and, it, it, it's gonna, and you don't know what you're doing, it gets out of control and burns up and can cost you thousands of dollars. And I'll tell you what
1: about the stock market. When you talk about the stock market, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty well agreed there's a lot of nonsense going on there and a lot of stuff that's presented that has no relation to fact. And that might be one of the reasons why it's so unpredictable and so many things will spook the stock market even though, of course, the events aren't true. But yeah, but I
7: think- like Warren Buffett, you know, consecutively make m- money off the stock market over time. They make some losses and whatever, but they, they know the system. They understand the parameters, the, the whole situation, and they're good at it, and they can make money off of it, whereas somebody that comes along and starts BNS and said, oh, I am you know, I can make a bunch of money off the stock market or maybe I've just made a million dollars off the stock market, you know, and I've only been in it, to it a year, and so anybody can do this, and next thing you know, that person has lost everything, and they're in debt by 100000 or a $1 million dollars, you know. Or <laughs> they stop
1: right there and they write the book, how you can earn something in the stock market by following my 23 different steps. And they then make lectures. They do the lectures. They sell the books. And I suppose at that point, they're making the money from the books. They're making the money from the lectures, but they aren't necessarily making the money from the stock market, they were smart enough to get out a long time ago.
7: Yeah, and they work as stockbrokers and get people get, keep bringing people's money in and suckering people in to feed people like you know Warren Buffett and whatever that know know how the stock market operates. I'll tell you what of,
1: I suggest people rent this movie, Margin Call. Nuff said. Ed Komarek joins us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs>
3: and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg
1: with Gene and Chris Ed Comrec here to talk about the paranormal UFOs, and we're focusing a lot on UFO secrecy, secret projects, and everything. But maybe in this final four segments we should try to bring it all together and focus on the exopolitics movement. Now, when I hear exopolitics, I say, "Oh, okay. We're going to set up a diplomatic corps or communicate with ET? Is that what it means?"
7: Okay, uh, just getting back to to Alfred Alfred may have come up with a name. We don't know for sure. I talked to one person that's well-known who says that they had heard it before Alfred came out in the public about it. So that's not said in concrete. But that said, Alfred was critical in bringing, bringing the, uh, and he has to be given credit for, you know, writing an exopolitics book and coining a word that was much better for us than the word UFO, because the UFO was, was you know, first there was, Flying saucers, but then the Air Force kind of denigrated that into unidentified flying objects. When you know, if you know what we know or are aware of, you realize they already knew. But they're using UFOs to kind of denigrate the word. You know, you get into Psywar, war. You know, you, in psychological warfare, and words become weapons. Like a conspiracy theorist, you know, they're they're conspiracy investigators. But when you call a good conspiracy investigator, a conspiracy theorist you 're denigrating that individual and you 're using a word as a weapon and This is something we you know we see very much in our field but Alfred Weber did get help get this started. he was one of the founders though so there were there were several of us that were founders at the time. I was involved in it back in the 80s when I, when I first realized that we were dealing with a number of different types of extraterrestrial race, uh, races. And from my experiences in ecology, it wasn't hard for me to grasp that these different races had to have relationships between each other and between us. And so I was thinking exopolitics uh, way back in the 80s, but I really didn't have a word for it. And other people were doing the same thing. He coined the word, and he helped give a boost to the field, and he should get credit for that. Then what happens is, is then and he had a, a spam filter to some degree back then, but it has deteriorated ever since then. And, okay, but, but a lot
1: of this means nothing to a lot of our listeners who yeah, don't yeah, care about and, and, Alfred Weber and all that stuff. Yeah, exopolitics. What is... The reasoning behind the term and the movement.
7: Okay, okay, we just tried to establish a basis for exopolitics in that there uh, are possibly extraterrestrial spacecraft that have crashed, there's possibly occupants in those craft that if you research it enough you'll see the the occupants really vary from different types of occupants. Uh, You can go back to some of the early cases in the 50s you know there's a lot of them are humanoid. Mufon did a study I think where they said like one-third were like humans another third was like humanoid and another third was like who knows what whatever. So with that as a basis you start to begin to think ecology, you know, you start to think, you think, start thinking of relationships. And so basically exopolitics is really the same thing as the ecology of the universe. And you've got the same kind of problem is that my dad had trying to get the taxonomist to understand uh, ecology, that how can you start talking about things that relationships that don't exist and you haven't even collected all the animals that uh, are involved in these relationships and whatever. So it's very similar to what, you know, what I'm going through. And I've been well prepared prepared for it by going up in that kind of environment so once you make an assumption you know for speculation purposes or whatever uh if you're not that well informed that there are many different types of extraterrestrials they're in relationship with each other they're in relationship okay but we're
1: making lots of assumptions here okay let's let's go a b c d and let's see where we go with it okay so we make assumptions about ET, and that's probably not a very difficult assumption to make. Even more traditional science will accept the fact that there are likely hundreds, thousands, millions of inhabited planets, many of whom may have advanced intelligent species. Okay. Then the second assumption, which is maybe a greater stretch, is A relationship to one another. So do we assume they have a federation or something?
7: Okay, so you get into relationship. And this is where also you've got to be careful, like about going out on a limb or going over the cliff, is is that because of so much disinformation, you really need to stick with cases that involve extraterrestrial contact that are by more than one person or that other people can substantiate parts of that person's story. Okay, but
1: that is the biggest problem of all. I don't think and I'll challenge you here, that we have ever substantiated a claim of ET contact. We have had reports of contact, sometimes from credible people. We have UFO abductions. But for the most part, we have not substantiated anything about meeting ET. Not at all. We do not know what those experiences are, if they are physical experiences with ET, if there's some sort of mental process involved there. We don't know.
7: Okay, this is what I'm making an argument in this book because it's got to be made with the links and the evidence for each part of this argument, okay? So that's what I'm trying to do in in the rewrite of this book that I've got up on my blog. I've got five chapters Okay,
1: but we understand that and we'll certainly tell our listeners where to find it. But the question I'm going to raise again is, all right, it's all right if you believe that we're in contact with ET or those contacts have occurred. But even with... Abductions where pretty strange things are happening, and those experiences are revealed by remembrances, by hypnotic regression, etc., etc. Can you prove a single case of alien contact has ever occurred?
7: Well, not by the standards of proof that you're asking, and you're not going to probably get that until the bullet hits you in the chest. You know, so you've got to think like an intelligence operative, you know, that, that you're dealing with an intelligence that's more advanced than you are to begin with. You're dealing with other people that are involved in the cover-up that are intelligent and have a lot of resources and whatever. So you're not going to get the kind of evidence you want or there wouldn't be any cover-up. It'd been over with. We'd have figured this out already. If the if somebody had got a body and got the bodies out and, and got them to the journalists and everybody saw them and saw they're real, we wouldn't be even arguing that it wasn't ETs exist or whatever. Let alone exopolitics. So we've got to find a fly by the seat of our pants with good intelligence, you know, and gather good intelligence so that we are prepared for the time when the facts do come out. And, and why we,
1: assume then that we know what those facts are going to be?
7: Well, why do you have intelligence operatives and agencies involved in um, in wars?
1: Sure, but at that point in time, there are certain things you know you're going to get. You know there's another party to that war or more than one party. You know if you send the intelligence operatives out, they're going to get information. You may not know what that information is, but you know it exists. You can certainly speculate that we have UFOs that they appear to be credible instances of Some sort of contact with an unknown race. We can speculate what that race is, but when someone says they've contacted ET, you still have to get back to traditional avenues of proof. I mean, you can say, well, the intelligence community is out there; they're going to block the proof. But then we can be talking to ourselves.
7: Well, that's where collaborative evidence comes in. You know, you just can't go out on limb on any one individual. You got to take a lot of individuals, and then a lot, and even of those individuals, you really want to be, you know, have collaborating evidence, documents, other individuals that co- collaborate parts of the story and whatever before you really get down you know on uh, feel like your speculation has a solid foundation to it and that's the problem that we have on the internet and, and and in the ufo field in general we have a lot of people making a lot of speculation and they're way out on the limb from what the facts are and they get completely out of touch with reality and they actually lose it and and, and, and can end up in a mental hospital or whatever what you have to do is is you you have just like hitler knew that great britain was his enemy but he didn't know where uh where they were going to invade you know, on, on the coast of France. And the, the British were able to deceive him into thinking uh, you know, that it was going to be no, way north of Norm- Normandy area up there. And he even believed that for two days after they were already well-established uh, on their bases uh, in the south of France. So who got it right and who got it wrong determined the possible outcome of the war at that point. And so the, the intelligence operatives in Britain, they were good enough to be able to deceive Hitler, and Hitler's were bad enough to be able to be deceived. And it, the whole outcome of the war could have been terminated. Hitler's intelligence operatives were good enough to had figured that out and, and got down there and, and stopped the uh, beachheads. So, you know, this is what we're dealing with. you got to think, start, th- quit thinking like a scientist that is dealing with hard facts, with 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 uh, intelligences that are not as smart as he is. You're dealing with intelligences that are more smart than you are, that can rearrange your experiment on you, can put disinformation...
1: Okay, okay, I get the point about disinformation, but I guess we then have to start considering... How are we going to determine what is real information and what might be disinformation? And from whom? We have Ed Komarek exploring exopolitics, conspiracies, and lots more. You're with Gene and Chris, because you're in the (laughs) Paracast. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, December 2nd, 2011.
9: Gold open this morning at 1756. 50. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for seventeen ninety-nine seventy-nine, dollars dollars for a half ounce, or four forty-nine ninety-five dollars for a quarter ounce. That's seventeen ninety-nine seventy-nine, dollars and four forty-nine ninety-five. dollars
3: Gold isn't for you? Hi, I'm Ted Anderson, and I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed the government is doing a great job. The Fed will stop handing out trillions like bailout candy, but that's not what's happening. If all looks rosy, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked, while gold has risen 1,600%. Savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very very well. Free. Call 800-686-2237. Call 800-686-2237. That's
0: 800-686-2237. From the Shattered Rust Belt come the Lost Vegas.
9: Now also available in digital format at Amazon and iTunes worldwide. Don't come calling when you all start falling down. not when start
0: Life Before the Collapse by The Lost Vegas. On 180 gram vinyl and mastered especially for vinyl by legendary audio engineer Steve Hall. Life Before the Collapse by The Lost Vegas. The Vegas. Now available at Amazon.com and iTunes. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download, direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. Ed Komrek joins
1: us. We're focusing on exopolitics and what we know and don't know about UFOs. And it comes back to this again. You know, we could speculate and say we know all this information, but at the end of the day, someone's going to ask you for evidence. Now, how do you substantiate anything if the government's going to stop you?
7: So, what I'm doing is. You know, trying to make the argument in this writing and with all the links to it, the circumstantial evidence, the witness testimony, and some DNA DNA evidence and other things or whatever, some physical evidence. What we have to do is kind of the situation as, as uh, Hitler's Germany was doing with the British. We have to sort it out and get it right because otherwise we could lo- we could lose be in the same situation as Hitler losing the war. We could lose you know, you know our own future involved in all this, and that's we can wrap our mind around it. So we have to fly by the cedar of our pants and, and keep double checking and checking ourselves to make sure we don't get too far away from the evidence and that and, and realizing that the evidence can be manipulated and changed and whatever. But that said, once we've established that there may be extraterrestrial life, there may be different types of extraterrestrial life. They may have evolved on other planets in a lot of different ways. So they probably evolved as a top predator on the planet. Even some of the SETI scientists are talking, you know, about that. That you know, probably the predator would be the one that evolved off, you know, first off the planet. And so we're not we're not just dealing with good ETs or bad ETs or whatever. We're dealing with, with other intelligent beings, much like ourselves, that probably evolved off of their planet as top predator. And that we may actually have, we might not be the top predator on this planet and not realize it. And that we may be being manipulated beyond our state of awareness by, by other extraterrestrial races. At the same time, there may be, we may be in the middle of a mental battlefield in which other races are trying to help us and would like to be allied you know, with us. So, I hear a
1: lot of maybes here.
7: You know, the ultimate truth is going to be, history is going to tell the story as to what was real and what wasn't real. But I'm saying a lot is at stake here, and we need to try to get it try to wrap our minds around it, because if we don't, it's the same way as as with these bankers, you know, they're out to dominate the world. If we don't get it right, you know, when the trap is sprung, it's going to be too late, and we won't be able to get out of the trap. And the trap's being sprung, you know, some people are getting their, their minds around that, and people are losing their jobs, and the bankers are being bailed out and everything else, it's really important for us to get it right just like it had been for Hitler to get it right about the British where they were gonna land at Normandy. So We've got to deal with ambiguity here and fly by the seat of our fence and try to wrap our minds around it to get to a point where we can begin to get the solid, hard evidence. What I'm trying to, you know, point out here is, as I write, is you know, giving you know, I've got my significant. I put all these quotes we talked about at the beginning of the program up, you know, significant quotes. I've got Harry Truman saying here, "I can assure you that flying saucers, given they exist, are not constructed by any power on Earth." President Harry. S. Truman 1950. The next war will be an interplanetary war. The nations must someday make a common front against attack by people from other planets. General uh, Douglas MacArthur 1955 in the old soldiers never die speech. You've got to take all these little pieces you know, and and put a, you know, and put them together behind the scenes. High-ranking Air Force officers are soberly concerned about UFOs, but through official secrecy and ridicule, many citizens are led to believe that unknown flying objects are nonsense. Admiral Roscoe Henry Hillen Carter. Okay, yeah, we know about the, the statements.
1: We know about the statements. It doesn't okay. help us prove okay. anything. We just know no, that no, there no, are what, statements.
7: I, I, I'm saying there's a basis for it. But it's it's not the definitive basis that you want, and if you if you expect to get a definitive basis, it's not going to happen until the bullet hits you in the chest, is what I'm saying. It's going to be too late to get it right then. And it's important for people to get it right now and wrap their minds around it to preempt what's coming down the pike for all of us. But it's a difficult thing to do because it's so big, it's so fantastic, it's almost impossible for a lot of people to sort out what it is. And so what people like myself are trying to do is trying to sort it out from our years of experience in the field. And make people aware that there are a lot of frauds, and there are a lot of hoaxers involved. They're creating false narratives. The government's creating false narratives to run against the public, propaganda operations, you know, against the public. And this has been going on, you know, since the 1940s and whatever. But we can g- begin to get an idea, but it's it's, got, it's not going to be unambiguous. It, we're, it's going to be by the seat of our pants, and we may have to adapt our thinking as more facts, you know, become involved. But we need a model. We need. Some some kind of a roadmap that has some degree of accuracy in order to predict w- what the situation is and what our future is going to be. And what I'm saying is, is it's really important for. The people to get this right because by the time that we get the solid evidence and the bullets hit us in the chest, it's going to be too late. That we've got to try to do this with the, the, the evidence as unsubstantiated sometimes as it is to understand the big picture and to understand the roadmap, and that, and that can guide our actions in a positive manner, in a constructive manner for ourselves and not be used against us.
1: Chris, we had a few days to ask questions from our listeners in our forums, and maybe as we have now gotten deep into exopolitics, Chris, could you see if we have any questions that our sure. listeners are curious about?
2: Yeah, and this and this leads me to another area that I wanted to ask Ed about, which is some of the inroads that he's made within the intelligence community. This comes from Snidely Whiplash, where he's been uh, here since last May on the forums, forum.theparacast.com. Ed, how well have you been able to gain inroads within the government? And he says, having such fringe beliefs. Or do you not share the controversial aspects of your belief system? It would seem these beliefs would hinder any serious effect you would have on the mainstream, let alone f- with fellow ufologists. Now, I've I've seen you mention names of known operatives, uh, people that are connected in the know. Names like Ron Pandolfi, Dan Smith, Gary Beckham's done a lot of research uh, as you have, has a lot of contacts. Jack Sarfati. What do these people tell you privately? about this whole subject and uh and how how many clues have they been willing to let let go of
7: here here's just a little tiny clue that just you know the the really good thing about running this blog and with all these blog articles floating all around and then being open for anybody to republish is that it creates a feedback loop to me where people get back with me just like I have with my on my Facebook uh wall. i you know i give a lot of ufo information and other people get back to me give me more information and so there's this feedback loop that that really puts me in a position to have a lot of gather a lot of information and, and you know to sort out little bits and pieces you know for instance my sister died about 10 years ago down in south florida and i went down there and I sat next to a guy, and we got to talking about UFOs a little bit. And he was a friend of my sister. He was a lobbyist, uh, a well-known lobbyist in Washington, D.C. And he said, yeah, he said, you know, when we were kids, there was a guy up the street that knew about this, you know, and they hadn't classified clearances. And, and all he would say to us was, yes, UFOs are real, and it's beyond your wildest imagination. And so I take little pieces like that, and I put it together with what Ben Rich says, Oberst says. You know, what what, what Helen Carter says, what General Ford has said, what uh, uh, Billy Carter has said, little bits and snippets of information, all these little fragments of information. And I tried to create a picture, a roadmap of what's going on in order to get even more information. We have a
1: roadmap to present to you right now. We have Ed Komarek with Gene and Chris. You're in the (laughs) Paracast.
11: Warning, this content is powerful and may cause others to reject your knowledge. If you want to know what happened to America, if you like cutting-edge information, if you need to convince someone that something different than what they believe is actually taking place and to experience the true history of America you won't find anywhere else, get the new book, Satan's Show. Satan's Show is a hard-hitting look at what many know as the antichrist and proof of a mind-control agenda. Learn how America was tricked into entering World War I and get over nine hours of audio in Over 700 reliable web links. Satan's Show is available in ebook and audio downloads. Click the special offer for $14.99, and you'll receive both plus Operation Northwoods on audio free with purchase. Download today at SatanShow.com. You will be shocked. You will be amazed. SatanShow.com.
10: Smokers. Are you still smoking traditional cigarettes? Are you still smelling up your clothes and car interior, staining your teeth, and getting ashes everywhere? Why? When you could be smoking or vaping with e-cigarettes by LaSig. With LaSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replacement cartridges, you'll get all the satisfaction of smoking, but no smoking hazards. Choose from a wide variety of our new American made Vapriate e liquid flavors at lasig.com spelled. Lecig.com or call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Lecig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Warning. E-cigs may contain nicotine, an addictive substance known to the state of California to cause birth defects or cancer. Please be aware of the risks associated with e-cigs prior to use. You must be 18 years or older to purchase.
12: Can Heart and Body Extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen.
7: I've been using Heart and Body Extract for approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years, with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well,
5: after two weeks of taking Heart and Body Extract, my earwax buildup almost completely
7: cleared up. Could this? Be the effect of better body circulation?
12: Heart and Body Extract is an effective, 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself.
5: My hearing is almost completely back to normal.
0: I'm amazed.
12: Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract, for a long and healthy life. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast.
1: We have Ed Komarek. We're talking about exopolitics and the need to get evidence with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Do you have any further statements to make about that particular question before we get on to one more?
7: Okay, and so that was one little example of a personal experience that I had. Another personal experience that I had was. Uh, biological father of a lady that was person abducted abductee that I started investigating and the not that night it was and I had a personal experience which was very interesting it was she had the typical abduction you know thing blood on the sheets and that kind of stuff and the middle of the night I was woke up and it was like kind of like by several beings with a kind of a buzz, and they were angry, like angry bees, and they said, stay out of it. It's none of your business. And, whoa, I said, so I kind of backed off from that case and actually got to be friends with that person. And when I met her again about two years later, she had completely turned things around and was felt like she was dealing with other types of extraterrestrials. But she had her biological father had been in the military, And he had told her, and he told me quite a bit of stuff, but he had told her that he had seen a film of the Eisenhower uh, meeting with human extraterrestrials, the blondes or the Nordics and that three craft had come down and that they'd met and gone to come in in a limousine or something to the hangars and then they'd spent two days there with them and then you know he, he said that they had uh... the beings when he decided to leave they were uh, the military pulled guns on them and they just walked out through the walls and back to their ships and whatever and he'd seen a film of this that in itself was you know i've talked to him personally you know knew him personally and whatever and i knew his daughter logical daughter really well and then I tend to think some of these other cases, with of the case of Gerald Light, you know, he described a similar situ- experience and situation, and also of the uh, McRae, the Senate, uh, Senator McRae, the State Senator McRae, who had heard about this same sort of thing and whatever. So, you know, you just don't believe what you read in the literature. You've got to get down and get it from personal experience. And so you develop sources, you develop people that have been in classified work. But you can't use their names a lot, unfortunately, so that's why I have to use the names of people that have gone public, like Ben Rich and whatever, because I don't, you know, want trouble to come down on these people. I put people first, and in fact, this guy, after he talked to me, he had called the Pentagon, you know, asking me whether he could talk to me, and they didn't get back with him right away, and I interviewed him, and then they got up with him and he told him what he did next thing you know he'd been burglarized all his papers had been stolen he was given a whole new set of papers and everything and he and a friend and he even went after a friend of his and both of them went went out to a bar that, that, that night and got drunk But there wasn't a lot I could do about that situation, but I've been wary about putting his name out into the public domain, you know, until that he's dead now, so so that's, you know, I can do that. But his name was Sam Stanland. Then, you know, so... I do talk to a lot of people that have inside, in, you know, have in, been on the inside, but I had to be very careful about it and they had to be careful about how much they tell me because it can get them into a lot of trouble and I've seen that in my own experience and that's the reason I have to use quotes and what's out there in the public domain a lot of time to build my case because I can't build my, you know, case on harming other people. Right, of
2: course, and that's understandable. I believe me, I know that very well. One of my suggested rules of investigation there's 13 of them. One of them is res- respect all requests for anonymity and credit your sources. <laughs> yeah. so, now, I'm, I'm not going to let this one go by uh, here. I, I think I heard you say at the beginning of your answer here that uh, you were actually contacted by some sort of non-human intelligence that told you uh, to, to buzz out, not you know to, to leave it alone. You want to tell us know- a little bit more
7: about that? That's the only really kind of a direct experience that I think I might have had, but who knows, you know, it could have been my own mind, you know, but, it, but I woke up and it was very real and it was still kind of going on as I woke up and it was enough to cause me to back up. I took it seriously enough at the time that I want better be careful about this. You don't think so it was like,
1: just a dream experience?
7: it was as i was waking up that it was happening so i was already aware of my surroundings to some degree my physical surroundings so once you describe it, these these beings uh, all I, all i could say is it was like i had pissed off some hornets i, I, I made some hornets angry and and, and it was kind of like a group like they were thinking it at the same time they like they, they it was like telepathic and they were thinking it thinking it at the same time and they were not happy with 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 me interviewing this person, and it seemed like I don't know how many, but there was seemed like several. It could have been more than probably more than two, probably not more than five. But that's all I can say. I mean, you know, that's that was just the experience. But it caused me to back off for a couple of years with this person until they came back into my life again, and uh, Anna, and this person was having more, you know, better experience. And, and I remember saying afterwards, you know, in my own mind, in, in return, I said. You know, whoever handles these things, you take care of it. This is too much for me. I'm getting out of this. You know? and, and so, I sent a telepathic message back to somebody else somewhere that I have no idea what I was doing either. And it it may have worked because that person started having positive experiences after that, and, and with with human type extraterrestrials. And but they did fall back into it with this type again, or whatever, at least allegedly, and whatever. So. That led me, you know, into personal cases actually with this person where I actually saw a craft myself. Um, You know, it's like these beings, you know, I deal with a lot of contactees and abductees and whatever, but it's like the ETs avoid me like a plague. And I just happened to get myself into a situation up north of Cairo, Georgia, where there was some activity going on. And there was uh, another contactee there that was being contacted, and uh, I had brought my camera with I think about 1600 high-speed film, and I had it set up on a tripod. And this craft started, uh, this bright red light started coming in from the north east, and as it slowed down, the bright red light got. It got uh, um, dimmer and dimmer, and then when it was actually hovering, the bright red light had actually just a little tiny spot, and you could see, like, windows on the side of it, like you're looking at an airliner on the side. This is about a quarter mile away, kind of over the swamp. And I took a picture of that thing, and I'd also taken pictures across the field of people's houses. You know, this was after dark. And the houses and everything showed up really good. I mean, the windows, you know, the light coming through the windows showed up really good from the houses and whatever. But nothing showed up as far as that uh, uh, craft was concerned.
1: So and you then, saw it, but you took a picture, and the picture didn't show it.
7: Yeah, and then what happened? Okay. And, and then what happened was, is I took uh, uh, he, this guy took off down across the field, that back down the river swamps, and this other lady that was a, kind of a contactee, but she's kind of spacey sometime and whatever, you know, so you weren't sure. You know, he was just a, kind of a solid, good old boy, not calling imagination whatsoever, just tells things like like they are, you know. And he had taken off down down across the field and uh, was down in the swamp. And we took off, and we got down there. with some strange noises going on, and I don't think he could have been making them. And she got scared, and I had to deal with her. Uh, you know, she said, I'm scared. Hold my hand. And she had been wanting to meet these ETs and while I'm dealing with her, apparently, allegedly, he was dealing with the ETs for a short period of time, and then they took on off. But I did see the craft, and I saw that it it actually, when it hovered, it then, then moved again, and the bright red light, I mean, the small red light started getting bigger, and then it slowed down, small red light got smaller, and then you could see, like, the craft again, like, looking at windows edge on. You know, I don't know if it was a saucer, because I was looking at it edge on. And... uh and he comes out back out of the woods laughing at the way she was reacting to the whole situation, or whatever, after wanting, really wanting to meet these ETs. And then she freaks out, you know, in the process and whatever. And he's
2: careful you know,
7: then, what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his story is another long story that I've, that I've written up and everything. But that was a little bit of personal. And the personal experience is to the next night, I took my wife down there, Susan at the time, and two of the other people. And we got down there, and I could have swore there was a saucer back down in those swamps. And I could actually almost see that saucer, and it ended up being a tower light, you know, eventually after stomping through the swamps mm. for about an hour or so. Because I had already become so excited from the real event, I was actually becoming slightly dis- disillusioned, dilute, diluted, diluted, uh, you know, with the, uh, the other light. So I can sympathize with contactees that, that are maybe having real experiences, but then their imagination can run away with them because my imagination was running away from me. You and know? maybe and I, the imagination
1: is running away from them, to be frank, when they think they've had contact experiences. I'm going to have to point that out to you, too. We have yeah. Ed Komarek. You're talking to Gene and Chris. You're in The Pericast
8: are you tired of searching for great talk radio something more important search no more we are the
1: gcn radio network so here's what happened i was placing an order online
4: Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call one 800 346
6: We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- Three four six six eight two nine. That's eight hundred three four no tax. Have you ever wanted to give a gift that expresses faith in liberty, those powerful beliefs that shaped our nation at its founding? If so, pay close attention, because this may be the most important holiday message you'll hear this year. Beautiful liberty blankets are now available. The liberty blanket is made right here in the USA out of all-natural cotton. It's ultra-soft, ultra-warm, and designed to remind your friends and loved ones of the enduring values that won the battle for freedom in early America. The center of the liberty blanket has the words, Appeal to God, a phrase that Washington and the founders used often as they announced to the world, That their rights and liberties came from a sovereign creator. And in each corner of the Liberty Blanket details one of the pillars of American freedom. Education, church, civil government, and justice. Regularly $59.95, now just $39.95. It's the perfect Christmas gift that helps your friends and family remember our nation's most precious legacy. To order your Liberty Blanket, go to libertyblanket.com. That's libertyblanket.com. Or call 800-209-1258. That's 800-209-1258. What looks good under
19: your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water, a gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are easy. Even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big B-E-R-K-E-Y WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99BERKEY. That's 877-99B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter.
5: Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: We have Ed Komarek talking about UFOs, exopolitics, contacts, secret space programs, and so much more with Gene and Chris and the Paracast. And as we move towards the latter part of the episode, the final portion, let me
2: check with Chris. Any more questions? Yes, I do have a question from JPW, who's been a long-time poster at forum.theparacast.com. And uh, his question is, what is your plan of action, Ed, if an official encounter with E.T. beings somehow goes wrong? For instance, the E.T.'s do not respond as anticipated to uh, any diplomatic overtures, perhaps responding aggressively I mean, are, are we going to be able to hand that as, uh, handle that as a culture? Do you think that, that any sort of uh, aggressive uh, posturing could be dealt with by our military?
7: Well, my position is, and I'm trying to make this case in my writings, is that we already have that contact. Now, I know the spam filters start going off and red flags start being raised. Uh, one, of, one of the cases that I really like is the Charles Hall case involving the tall white extraterrestrials because it's simple and it's pretty clean, and I myself have been able to collaborate and find more witnesses that back up parts of his story. And he said that the, the tall whites who have a base of about 300 individuals on in the north part of Nellis up in the bombing ranges – uh, protected by Nellis. Now, it was there before the military. The military actually built their base around it, and also one that he says was at Area 55, which I have no idea. Everybody knows what Area 51 is, but uh, Area 55, I don't know where that is, and he said there was a gray base there, and that so Nellis it, it created a secure area around these bases, and the tall white base was, was more or less a pit stop for their craft because their craft uh exceeded the speed of light but they didn't warp space and time and travel instantaneously from one place to another so it took them about a couple of weeks to get here and they hit can hit debris and they have to repair their spacecraft and that kind of stuff so it was a simple case of a kind of like a pit stop and they had a a um a little colony there uh for maintenance of the base and there was children and wives and and that they would take them out in the desert and you know teaching the children, and that sometimes they would even come in with they were close enough to look like ordinary humans to be able to – with some disguise to go into uh, Las Vegas and uh, right uh, go,
2: go to <laughs> the little alien inn and have a beer. Yeah, yeah.
7: but they they looked like albinos, but they're really thin and they had like had like really blonde hair, but it was almost white. But they were tall. That's why they call the tall whites. And he's got four books out on that, and a whole lot of detail. And so I've been working pretty hard, and even went out west this spring to see if I could find more cases before I went too far out on a limb in this case. But he said that there's a that government has a treaty, and basically he says the laws of economics don't uh, end at the in the outer space just like the laws of physics don't end. They extend out in the universe and the laws of economics say that the tall whites would rather have us supply that base and we supply it themselves and them having to ship it in. In return, they'll give us some some marginal technology for shuttlecraft and whatever, but not their deep space technology. So they made an arrangement with the military and the generals at the time, and they kind of got to know each other when Charles was there in the early 60s, and people got killed, and Charles managed to survive to tell a story. And he, he was involved. The reason that he could even talk about it and was allowed to talk about it, because it was in the treaty or the agreement and the tall whites were very picky about their treaty, that he may not be molested or bothered by the military and whatever, you know, in what he wrote or talked to the public about. Well,
2: that so, special destiny quality, doesn't that throw up a major, uh, huge, big, giant uh, red flag uh, you?
7: Basically, what's going on there is is that, you know, there were other people that contacted me. Tom Fox Tom Fox on the internet contacted me, and he had said he had seen them in these same areas where Charles Hall had said I'm, seen them on the, on the public, uh, you know, in the public areas. And out, once out in the desert, and then also going up the steps in a casino, and uh, then uh, uh, there was other cases too as well. Uh, and then when I went out there, uh, I researched that area really—you know—traveled tra- and camped out up in the Spring Mountains, which are to the south of Nellis. Beautiful area, beautiful canyons. Uh, snow was still up around 8,000 feet where the highest campground was. We we played in snow a little bit and whatever. But this was the area that they, that Charles Hall said that they parked up at Wheeler Pass, uh, a very difficult area to get to, where there's a couple of charcoal ovens, and I found out there really were charcoal ovens there. And but it was hard, hard to get up there, so I couldn't get up there, and that's where they parked their craft a lot of times, and they would float down in these flo- little floating suits that kind of that floated o- over the surface. Above the ground, and they could even float up into trees and play around in the trees sometime with the the women with their children and stuff and whatever. But they could they would park up there and they would float down. And, and he had watched this happen from an area where it was uh, it was an ice cream stand or something or whatever, which is now there's a casino there. And uh, I was able to confirm, you know, sort of looking at it myself that this was possible. They could you could see Wheeler pass them back over there. And I talked to the owner of the ski lodge where another big event happened, and he said, yes, there were charcoal ovens there and that and that, that could be seen, those hills and that house where this little girl was supposedly floated out of a window to, to play with a tall, white little girl. There were a lot of little specific things like that or whatever but this idea of floating you know floating up off the ground and floating into trees you know was just a one little tiny detail of this whole story and then i talked i found a guy there in indian springs who was doing a garbage run late at night and he had worked there at the ski lodge too before and whatever and he was coming back down the mountain uh, late at night and he saw what he took to be flares in the trees and on the ground and he says oh boy these are my friends from the military down there i'm going to run down there and say hi so he ran down there you went up drove on down there and it was just dead silence absolutely nothing uh no lights no nothing nobody was there and he said he got really scared you know he didn't know why but he got really scared he said just let me get out of this alive and and he took off out of there and that you know, it's just a tiny bit of cor—just a little snippet, just a little bit of correlation that—that that what he might have seen with the tall whites up there during the summertime. They like temperatures, and he says over 80 degrees, so it, it was in the middle of summer, and that they were playing around there up in the trees and whatever. And it seems to substantiate a part of that story. And that was just one small part. And then when I was also out there, I had a laptop with mobile access, and and a lady on the internet on Facebook found me another witness in Las Vegas, uh, Cherry Hinkle, who had uh, worked in Las Vegas and had, had met uh, what she considered a, tall, a tall-looking albino person with blue eyes and really uh, uh, light, very, very light blonde hair in a tunnel. She, the, 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 the buildings are, have tunnels going underground between them, and she wasn't supposed to be there, and they told her to get out of there. I'll and, tell you
1: what, we're almost out of time. Okay, in terms of getting to the bottom of these mysteries, finding the smoking gun, dealing with government secrecy, whatever there may be of it, what are your steps?
7: Uh, it's all or none. I mean, y- you know, we're not going to find a smoking gun until it all falls out. And I'm just hopeful that the that the um, uh, global economic banking financial crisis and whatever may you know the breakdown in the European Union and all this, the breakdown of these powerful cartels something may fall out, you know, for our benefit here, you know. Uh but like Ben Rich said, it may take an act of God to get these things out into the public domain. So I just have to do the best I can and I'm getting old and uh uh I- I'm hoping that the younger people can take what I've uh discovered and the links and information that I've found and use that to their benefit to build their lives, just like I have you know, built mine on the writings and the insights of other people that came before me.
1: I'll tell you what, and, where can our listeners get more information about the things you write about?
7: Okay, the best thing is just they can type in my name if they can spell my last name, which is difficult. My first name is Ed. My last name is Kamarek, spelled K-O-M-A-R-E-K, Ed Kamarek. So we've in been in pronouncing pre-
1: your name wrong for the entire show, but yeah, you're yeah, very forgiving right. of it.
7: They can get me on Facebook, or they'll find my blog if they type my name in there, spelled K-O-M-A-R-E-K.
1: And by the way, we have a link to his blog on
2: thepowercast.com. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, you can find me here uh, at the theforum.theparacast.com. Also, I have a website, Our Strange Planet, which some decade might <laughs> get finished and uh, upgraded. You can also hopefully find the live feed from the San Luis Valley Camera Monitoring Project uh, coming to the Paracast uh, soon. So, neighbors, if you have a comment or a question about the Paracast, you know
1: where to send it. News at theparacast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. And by the way, if you do want to join our team, you have a background in sales, especially online sales, and broadcast experience as a salesperson is a must, do write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. Ed Komarek, thanks for joining us on the PowerCast.
7: Thank you very much.